You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 62. Today's topic, the price of life. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, it's great to be back with you here again. Uh, We get together every two weeks to talk about what we all can do to end human trafficking. And once again, we have a guest with us, and I'm so glad that we have another voice to be part of the conversation on uh, really addressing this issue. Well, this is really exciting because we're going to go out to New York in October. We are in New York, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to actually get to leave the airport for a change, Dave. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I've never left the airport when I go through New York City. Can you believe that? You've never been to New York City? I've been there. I landed there at least a dozen times. Oh, but you've never been in like in the city? I never left the airport. I did not know that about you. So I'm excited, really. Oh, we're but have let fun. me tell you about the person we're going to interview today. Jonathan Walton is InterVarsity's New York City Urban Project Director. That is a huge title. He has worked to call students and volunteers to put their faith into concrete, sustainable action for the last seven years and has a, been a member of World Vision Speakers Bureau and now as director of InterVarsity's. New York City Urban Project Director. I love the title. I just keep saying it over and over again because the reason I like it so much, Dave, is because it's like my title, Global Director, Global Center for Women and Justice. It's big. Yes. So we have lots of room to grow into our titles. It means you get lots of work too. Yes, it does. <laughs> and Jonathan has all also written a book um, and he's an author of poetry, short stories, Uh, He knows more about New York City than I could possibly even begin to understand. Oh, cool. One of the things I really liked when I looked up um, Jonathan is that he is one of New York's new abolitionists. So his voice on human trafficking is going to help us understand what's going on out there. So Jonathan, welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, you're quite um, a bigger-than-life character out there. When I look at you online, I feel like I already know you. <laughs> well, hopefully we can shed a little bit of light. Um, Google can tell you lots of things, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, as the Urban Project Director, tell us what, what that really means. What's your typical day? How is that connected to ending human trafficking? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so I'm on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And um, what most people know InterVarsity for is Bible studies on campus, large group worship, um, discussions about um, faith on campus. And that's actually, you know, what I thought I came when I was a student at Columbia University. I was involved in my own chapter. Um, But then InterVarsity also has these things called urban projects where essentially you get to practice the things that we're um, learning through scripture out in the real world. Um, and so I had the opportunity to to come on staff with InterVarsity right after um, graduation. I had just finished um, publishing my third book, and I came on staff with InterVarsity after having worked with World Vision for about two and a half years. Um, and the reality is 
my job every single day is I get to get up and say, how do we develop leaders with the character and capacity to actually change the world? And I think we do that um, through comprehensive encounters with Jesus over and over and over again. Um, and so, yeah, my everyday looks like that. And specifically with how this intersects with human trafficking was um, the first big justice issue that I ever got involved in was helping um, with child fight against child soldiering in northern Uganda. So this was around 2007, um, 2006, 2007. And um, I did not know that that was human trafficking. All I knew is that there were boys who looked like me that were made to, to fight. And so how do we get involved in that? So I had written a poem and began performing, and we um, built a maternity ward in a hospital in northern Uganda um, through World Vision. And then when I went to Urbana 06, um, the largest missions conference in the world um, at that time and still today, that's when I actually learned about human trafficking and began to dive deep into what it looked like for me to get personally involved and now for me to get thousands of people um, involved in what we like to say is fighting against the exploitation of the planet and exploitation of people, um, because that's a violation of what God intended in the first place for us and creation. So when you talk about the word practice, that to me mm-hmm. means you know what you want to accomplish and you're going to do it over and over and over again. So in an Absolutely. urban project, what do you practice? So we try to do three things here, um, and I think it's taken me five years to get it down to like three things. <laughs> um, the first thing that we do is intercession. Um, we need to know how to pray. Um, the reality is when you are encountering evil and darkness over and over again, and I say evil and darkness, and I mean evil and darkness, the reality that you know there's 2,000 homeless youth on the streets per night in New York City the average age of entry is 12 to 14 years old into trafficking and sex labor in New York City. And 97% of the youth in New York City that reach New York City within the first 24 hours, the first person they're going to meet is a pimp. And 67% of those will actually get involved in some type of sex for money, for service, for a shelter, or something. And so we want to make sure that we're actually prayed up. And that literally means the victory was won a long time ago. We walked out of freedom that Christ has afforded us, not um, for freedom, because we, we can't win this race on our own, but this mm-hmm. race, is, this fight has already been won for us. And so intercession is the first thing. Um, the second thing is um, partnerships. And so we partner a lot. Um, and that's one of the reasons um, I was able to be a part of the new abolitionist because we partner with so many different people and try to equip them with the resources and the people that they need to do good work. And so we love giving money and volunteer and support for Restore NYC, the only safe house for international victims in New York City. We love screening gyms and supporting the work that they, they do in Rachel Lloyd. We love having conversations with Dorchin from Sanctuary for Families, making sure they have the things that they need. We want to make sure that we're building partnerships so that they, the the everyday person can become an extraordinary person when they know how to pray and have an encounter with God and they can work out of the freedom that he has afforded them um, and work out of the freedom that he has afforded them on the cross to serve with a, a loving, peaceful, gracious, humble heart. Um, and so then the last thing is purchasing. Um, we need to change the way we buy. We need to change the way what we spend our money on. The reality is more money is spent on pornography than the MLB 
the NFL, the NHL, Major League Soccer, every major sport, all Broadway shows put together does not equal the money that we invest um, in the exploitation of men and women in this world. Um, when we buy Colton from overseas and it's in our phones and we don't know where our chocolate and our coffee and everyday goods comes from, um, the reality is we need to figure out the best way for us to invest in the freedom and reconciliation of us with creation and us with one another and us with God, as opposed to the continuing exploitation. And so those are the three ways. The first one, again, prayer. The second one, building great partnerships and investing our time, talent, and treasure in them. And then changing the way we purchase that we might invest in freedom and um, not the exploitation of people. Wow. Okay. And that sort of leads us into that last part about purchasing, leads us into Mm -hmm. this um, amazing movement literally, that is starting there in New York City called Price of mm-hmm. Life. And um, wow, I, we, don't, we only have a half an hour podcast here now, Jonathan. So you're going to <laughs> no gonna have to give us the, um, the snapshot view of this. But explain to yeah. us what is Price of Life and what is going to happen in October. Absolutely. So InterVarsity um, is, a, is a global movement um, to you know, see lives transform, cancers renewed, and world changes developed. And every once in a while, some great people get some great ideas, um, revelations from God. And one of those people is York Moore. And they have the idea that what if we were able to mobilize the church around issues of injustice and have them not just get involved for the short term, but actually see the gospel preached for the long term and lived out that way. And so that started the Price of Life campaign. Um, there were two smaller invitationals that were done at Ohio State and Michigan State. Um, but nothing like what we're attempting to do in New York City. So the snapshot is more than 100 events on what is up to about 15 campuses right now um, in New York City, all organized around fighting sex trafficking and labor slavery and calling people to follow Jesus. So there's going to be events all over um, the four boroughs. There are five, you know, Staten Islands out there. No disrespect to that knowledge. <laughs> Four boroughs. Okay, say all um, the boroughs. I'm not a New Yorker, so I need to hear all the names. The four. <laughs> no worries. So there will be events in Brooklyn. There'll be events in Manhattan. There'll be events in the Bronx. And there'll be events in Queens. Okay. Um, and so we will be spread out all over New York City. Um, there will also be 60 traveling art stations that will be going around the city engaging people. Um, in the street around issues of tracking. We have five interactive art stations that we've designed. We'll, you know, build those and they'll be all over the city. And we're also going to have a culminating event at City Center, which is across from Carnegie Hall. It's about a 3,000 seat theater that we'll have for two days as well. And so the reality is people need concrete, people need concrete invitations to fight trafficking and slavery. It's not going to be an email. It's not going to be a phone call. We're going to actually try to have 10,000 conversations with people, inviting them to say, hey, this is going on in your city. What are you going to do about it? And so that's what we aim to do October the 1st through the 12th in New York City. And we're coming out for the last weekend. I'm going to be out there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we're going to broadcast this podcast live. We have never done that before. We have not done that before. It's going to be a whole new adventure. Oh, we're very excited about this. So um, so one of the things that struck me as you're talking about urban life in New York City is Mm -hmm. that you have all the same problems that we have here in Orange County and Los Angeles 
um, homeless youth, homeless youth who are easily recruited and exploited. Why are Mm -hmm. there 2,000 youth sleeping outside every night in New York City? I think um, there's a there's a glamorization that happens with leaving and coming to New York, and everyone in New York, if you most of the time, that every culture has a question, and the question in New York is, what do you what do you do, what do you do? And everybody comes here to do something, um, and whether it be get away or whether it be escape, there's songs about running away to New York. Um, there's this there's this idea that you know if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere, and that and that's true. There are a lot of great great things here. Um, but there's also a lot of darkness here. And I think that, um, we, at, at the urban project, we talk a lot about injustice. And so instead of staying in the systemic all the time, what we like to do is break it down into personal and relational. And I think, um, the reality is that we, we simply have broken relationships that causes the broken systems that exist. And so when you have 50% of young people in, in the country right now growing up in a household without a mother and a father. You have 70% of children in New York City of color growing up in um, households without a mother and a father. When the dropout rate in the United States is a third of students drop out, and in New York City, we only have in middle school about 25% proficiency in math and reading. So when you put these things all together, um, it, there's a lot of vulnerability that exists. And so you have children out, you have parents not around, you have relational brokenness um, that I believe that God really wants to call us to speak into. Um, but it's that brokenness that's there um, that allows children to, to feel like they have to run away or to feel like uh, there's, a, there's a vulnerability there. I think it's, it's easy for us to get caught up in the system, um, you know, with foster care or um, with adoption and things like that. But the reality is we're talking about a daughter who doesn't have a mom or a son who doesn't have a father or people who have, who have broken relationships and something caused them to want to leave, something caused them to seek something, to seek affirmation, to seek something from somewhere else. Um, as opposed to where they should get it, it's from parents and communities of people who are around them to love and support them. Wow. That is so extremely important for us to understand because there is this sense um, in some fronts that the real problem are the bad guys who try and recruit these kids. Um, And if we can put those bad guys away, if we can um, do something to them, then our kids will be safe. But if our kids are broken um, and we take the pimps off the street, there I have the sense from you that somebody else is just going to come along and exploit them. Exactly. And the reality is this isn't about, um, this isn't about, you know, getting bad guys out of the way. The reality is Jesus, in, in God's kingdom, there is no oppressor and there is no oppressor. God wants to see freedom for the pimp just as much as he wants to see freedom for the traffic victim. And I think that's, that's where the gospel can actually has power and authority. When you see a pimp or a trafficker or someone who's addicted to pornography actually become an abolitionist. That's the transformation we're looking for. Well, as, as you're you're starting to you're starting to get over into some um, really messy territory when we start talking about mercy for young men who have become pimps. Um, we start looking oh, no. at their brokenness. We start looking at they were raised um, without the resources that you're talking about. They're broken. Um, then we're going to have to start figuring out how we can help those young men. 
No, no, they, they go hand in hand. I had a great conversation, a, a difficult, com- a difficult conversation with a friend four years ago. He walked up to me and he said, "You know, my father raised me to be a pimp. Mm. I grew up in this environment. You know, he's like, I know what to say. I know what to do. This is what my father made me do. How would Jesus ever accept me? You know, now he's an abolitionist in New York City. I think the reality is, man." Does, does not have a parameter for the grace of God. It's fundamentally beyond our understanding. We accept it by faith and receive it, but it is, it is difficult to grasp onto that. But I think there are flashes of it when you see forgiveness and grace happen. Um, and that's the, what I think the radical love and acceptance that God is, is calling us into. So that sort of speaks into um, the fact that you were identified on the website New York New Abolitionists as one of those new abolitionists. So as a new, I just like that idea. It, we're not the same. It's a different generation. It's a different movement. And the exploitation is is unseen as well as seen. So how did mm-hmm. you, I mean, you're right there with bankers and politicians and law enforcement people. And then there's Jonathan. How did you come to be on that? New abolitionist well, list. It was, it was, I got an email. Um, I have got some great friends over at the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women, and I've been working with them for some time. And um, the way that I first uh, encountered a lot of these organizations was as a poet. So the speaking and performing that I would do to fundraise for these different organizations. And then um, the following, we got a pretty, a pretty large following. And so, um, most organizations are recruiting people, but they're not equipping people. Mm-hmm. Um, most organizations are saying, hey, come and volunteer, but they're not actually discipling their volunteers to take this willing person and make them into somebody who's able to do the things um, that they actually want to do. And so that, that niche that we feel um, to be able to take uh, a girl who is a, a tutor, uh, an education major at Hunter College and wants to major in social work, Who's going to actually help her to become the abolitionist that she wants to be? And not every organization has the capacity to do that. And I think that's where we fit in because Wilberforce had people around him. Um, the, the, the great people that we look at um, in history as those quote-unquote first abolitionists, like there, there's a difference between us, but there are some similarities. But the reality is that just like he needed that, that furious love, that group of people to be around him, we actually need to create that group of people as well. And it looks a little bit different from all different backgrounds serving the most diverse community in the world. Um, and I think it's a privilege for me to be there as um, someone who my only desire is to see the oppressed set free on both sides um, and be able to serve the abolitionist community in that way is pretty exciting. Well, um, if you're listening to this and you want to see the New York New Abolitionist, you can come to our show notes and there's a link there to, to and you'll be able to see Jonathan Walton in um, beautiful photos there too. Um, Jonathan, do you happen to have um, a short verse you could share with us right now? I will do this one very, very quickly. I wrote this poem. Um, I'll, I'll stop in the middle of it. It was when I was 16 years old. Um, I was thrown across a parking lot on a Harley Davidson, um, and I was perfectly fine. Um, and that was my first encounter with God, and obviously not my last, um, but this one's called uh, By Grace. Okay. I find, my, 
I find myself standing there, gazing into space. No focus, just blank, no expression on my face. No sound proceeded out of my mouth because words could not describe my experience. So I took a pen and I wrote it down because I lost control only 16 years old. Instead of the break, the gas I did hold, I was propelled through the air onto new ground, moving without direction until by grace I was found. God steadied my path, breathed air into my gas. He gave me another chance and it looked like my last because I flew through the air on a Harley Davidson over an embankment and through parking spaces to the left. I leaned and then to the right, then I careened to a stop as if I had a red light. See, I should have been lying there, lifeless on the pavement. The subject of police statements, my face plastered on front pages of newspapers. But instead, I was spared. It's not your time, God said, and to walk without care be like exclaiming he wasn't there because I put fear and the ones most dear to me, but it also put a new fear in me, not the fear of the motorcycle, because that is not the lesson. The lesson is that of all things, we must be respectful. On this globe, we have few moments, and in one moment, all of our moments can be stolen, so I must cherish these moments as if they are something golden, but more than gold, because you cannot compare life to stone. That would be like saying clothes are worth more than bones. Hair is worth less than a comb. The kite is more significant than the wind that blows it. Glass is more important than sight. The cause is less important than the fight. The ability to speak is more important than a deaf person signing, I am alive. I must view life from a different perspective. Look into my reflection and begin inspection. Respect the blessings that I have been given. Be thankful for my bed, but be more thankful to have risen. The lesson I have learned and now I must teach to my duty to tell everyone in this world that I see, don't be concerned about the price of your shoes. Because if you look down, you stand on your feet. Don't worry if you eat hot dogs or the finest beef because on our place before us, we all have something to eat. We all have something worth more than all of Wall Street cannot be bought with all of this world's currency, a possession greater than any wealth on this planet, a force stronger than any boulder pure granite. Each and every single one of us has life. An aspect of being that is not fully understood, but living is something that we all must do. We are all people, pebbles tossed into a pool. Every ripple I create, internal ripple you. So in unison, we ripple in a type of ripple rhythm, but we need to ripple in a way that benefits and reflects God's kingdom. Wow. And if that's you unprepared, I'd uh, not want to run into you if you were prepared for giving that. That's awesome, man. <laughs> wow. That <was> incredible. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Very cool. So, so. At Price of Life in October, um, there's going to be poetry, right? Yes, ma'am. I will be performing at, at quite a few events. And we'll have other poets and great singers like Andy Mineo, Courtney Wong, Kate Grace. Um, just, it's it's going to be a packed week. I mean, it's more than 100 events for and- people to come to. And so... If, if you want to know and you're in the medical field, you can come. And there's a conference at Mount Sinai. If you're coming and you're a pastor, there's Movement Day and stuff that's going on um, in the city as well with Tim Keller and some great speeches with the New York Leadership Center. There's great things going on at Hunter in the School of Social Work at Columbia. We're hosting a conversation among, among men about trafficking and how men contribute to these things and also how we can help. So there's lots of things for people to get plugged into. So please come. You're invited. And what about um, competitions? Yes, so there's, um, if you're an artist, uh, there's going to be um, basically these visual arts competition or cash prizes for that. Um, there's also, if you're a musician and you want to post your video, there's going to be a Battle of the Bands as a concert oh. on September the 28th that I'm hosting. Um, so there's great competitions for people if you do visual arts, uh, shoot documentaries, or um, make music. Um, this wonderful thing. The website is www.priceoflifenyc.com. And how can people register to come? Just go to that website? 
Yes, all of the RSVP links and everything will be available there as we populate the site with all the events. Say it's that, a lot of events, so I know they're still coordinating that right now. Say that website again. It's priceoflifenyc.com. Priceoflifenyc.com. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there too. So we hope and that I'm others going. will plan to be there as well. Um, I'm... I'm really, there's so much energy. I wish it was a lot sooner. I have to wait all the way till October. <laughs> there's quite a bit to do. So if you want to have us on again for an update, um, especially as we get ready to launch our Bible studies and uh, Bog Off, which is our local green organic fair and free platform, or anything where we have two albums coming out um, at the end of the month, um, partnering with King Culture and some hip hop projects. So if you ever want to have us back, just ask. All like. right. And we have already started um, liking your Facebook page and you liked ours. And so we're posting um, price of life information on the Global Center for Women and Justice Facebook page. We're going to put a link to this event on our gcwj.vanguard.edu website. So you'll be able to find information if you don't remember this um, link, just come home to us and we will direct you. Great. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Well, I am uh, so grateful, Jonathan, that you have taken the time to be with us here today. It is really just exciting to be uh, invited to come and attend this event. And I know Sandy and I are both very much looking forward to broadcasting live and just the energy and the it's, planning that's going around is just uh, just so exciting. I, I think... Uh, I know we can't wait to be there. Exactly. And I'm already connected with your folks putting together the um, the outreach and education at Mount Sinai on the healthcare side of things. So um, oh, great. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to get really involved in that. And I'm really mm -hmm. excited about working with your whole team and the number of universities. Uh, I think one of the things that you said that really resonated with me the most is we call people to activism but then we need to equip them so they know what to do. And that's what we do at the Global Center for Women and Justice. We study the issues mm. to be a voice to make a difference. And if we haven't done our homework first, if we haven't studied and prepared, then we're going to run out of things to say, and we won't really know what to do or why we're doing it, so it won't be sustainable. And we want to do things that are viable, and we don't want to show up and say, here's what we're going to do, and then tomorrow we're not there because we didn't plan ahead. And it um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And Sandy, Jonathan mentioned a word that we use a lot, which is partnership of one of his three things, yeah. and we are big believers in that. So this is going to be a wonderful event to all help all of us to – form and strengthen partnerships that will ultimately serve that this issue and ending more quickly. And, uh, and at the same time, we're also going to uh, have some fun being able to bring the message out there. So it's, uh, it's great. And I'm really uh, excited to see what comes together as we, uh, as we do that. And so, uh, oh, hit the wrong oh, music there. <laughs> if you have any questions, email us at gcwj at vanguard.edu or call us. Yeah, the phone number to reach us if you have any questions is 714-966-6360. And uh, if you plan on attending this event in New York, drop us a line. We'd love to know you're attending so we can definitely meet up with you in person. And we always love meeting members of the community. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us. We're excited to meet you in person. All right. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. 
Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you again in two weeks. And hey, just a reminder, if you're not already on our newsletter list, go to gcwj.vanguard.edu and sign up. We'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Bye-bye.